0: It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you
1: did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the Fox News Podcast Network, I'm Dana Perino, and everything will be okay. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Everything Will Be Okay. This week, I'm joined by a highly respected judge and author who also happens to be my lovely new co-host of The Five. Janine Pirro, professionally known as Judge Janine. Well, she's a powerhouse, not just in the courtroom, but now as a co-host of The Five, she offers her authentic and often unfiltered opinions. With a political and media career spanning over 40 years, Judge Janine offers advice on how to bounce back from unexpected career detours and how to take ownership of the weight of your words. All right, Judge Janine. first I have to say that um, one thing I noticed when I did Everything Will Be Okay um, last year when the book came out and I started doing some uh, of these podcast interviews I realize that you continue to find role models and mentors through your whole life as you make friends and, and deepen friendships through your life. And I'm so thrilled to be working with you every day Aww. on the five. I look forward to it every day. I learn from you. I love watching you. It's like, I can't take my eyes off of you. You're so beautiful, but all the things that you say are so smart and you've got spunk and personality and it's a pleasure, a real pleasure.
0: First of all, I must tell you that I listen to you all the time because I think you're the smartest one at the table. So, and I'm not just throwing a compliment back at you because you gave me one, but you really are. You're deep. You go, you know, some people talk about the onion and then other people take off one layer and then you're like right down to the middle layer. I I gotta get (laughs) down. I
1: gotta get in there. Yeah. You You are in there
0: big time. And so, no, It's It's fun fun, um, It's fun also
1: to, um, you know, we're at the table often. It's three gentlemen that we're with. And it's so fun because women can communicate with their eyes. Indeed, we do. And we're like, we just said a paragraph to each other in one look. And uh, it's it's a joy. It really is. So this is a podcast where I just like to talk to people about um, their amazing lives. And I think that that translates into advice for people who Mm. are starting out or starting over. There's a lot of people who are either uh, either quitting a job or starting a new job or thinking of a career transition. You've had a few mm-hmm. and you've done that. I just I, I want to start though at the beginning because tell people where you were born and how you were brought up. I read that, you knew what you wanted to do from the age of six years old.
0: Yes, I always wanted to be a lawyer. I don't know I don't know where it came from. I know that at some point in my life, I used to watch Perry Mason. And the thing about Perry Mason was that uh, I, I always wanted to be a prosecutor because I always wanted to represent the victim. But the amazing part of Perry Mason was he was a defense attorney. And, you know, they always had the wrong guy on trial. And as I got older, I realized that this guy, Hamilton Berger, who was the DA in that long-running series, uh, kept getting re-elected even though he was always prosecuting the wrong guy because the <laughs> guilty guy would always sit in the back of the courtroom and, and everyone would turn around because they knew the guy not on the stand and was the one who did it. But, um, yeah, and, and during the course of, of my life, and I grew up in upstate New York, uh, there weren't a lot of, when I was younger, and I'm, I'm no spring chicken, there weren't a lot of uh, uh, women attorneys. In fact, the, the comments that I would get would be, well, don't you want to be a mommy? And I always thought that the two were mutually exclusive, that you could only be a mommy if you weren't a lawyer and vice versa. So um, I kind of grew up at a time when the the idea of women taking over men's roles was just t- or joining men in roles that they were engaged in was just beginning. And I took a lot of hits for it. Uh, Can I, rem- I stop
1: you and ask you what your parent, did your parents encourage you? To want to become a lawyer? Yes,
0: they did. Right. They did.
1: Usually for successful women, you usually have that early, even if you were a pioneer or it was going to be a little bit different or a
0: little bit new, like your dad would say, you can do whatever you want. Yes, it it was my dad and my mom. And, you know, my mom, her childhood was very unusual. She was the oldest of four daughters and her parents sent her back to Lebanon, which which I'm of Lebanese Christian heritage. And and they sent her back because she was a girl. So she was born in the United States and and United States citizen and her father fought in World War Two and all that. And yet because she was a girl she was almost disowned and sent to live with relatives in Lebanon and so i think my mother kind of carried that spirit of you're not going to you're not going to exclude women from anything because of their gender and so i had that real push from my mom who had suffered so much because she was a girl.
1: And did she work when you were a little girl?
0: Uh, she was a, she was very beautiful. She was a model. She would go into New York City periodically and model. Uh, she was stunningly beautiful and but that was it. I mean, you know, she wasn't educated. Mm. Uh, she spoke with an accent and she was robbed of everything because she was a girl. My dad was a veteran. He fought in World War II and then he ended up running a uh, a sales company that my grandfather had of trailers mm-hmm. and and so the family was in the trailer business mm-hmm. and it was very, it was a very, you know, medium, middle class, you know, it was about God and, and, and education, education was prized and family. And it was a, you know, it was small town America. What was it like going to law school? Did uh, you love
1: it right away? Or did you ever have a feeling of like, whoa, do I really want to do this?
0: Oh, I always knew I was going to do it. There was nothing that never, would stop Never me. changed No. In fact, I did high school in three years because I was in a rush. I was like, why should I stay in high school for four years? I can do history, AP history in summer school when everybody else was redoing history. I took it for the first time, got my grade and then went to college uh, my fourth year of high school. So you were in a hurry. I was always in a hurry. I'm still in a hurry. You're
1: always, you still are in a hurry. <laughs> I don't know where I'm but going, but served, I'm in a rush. But that has served you well.
0: Um, I think it has. I mean, I don't know. Some people would say, but I'm not worried about what they say. I think it has served me well. It's given me the ability to focus on my career and focus on my family and transition as you mentioned in the, in the beginning of this, that many people end up having to change careers and, you know, being in a hurry kind of gets you to where you want to be in that next career, you know, as opposed to just being a beginner. No, I got a lot done. Um, It's just part of who I am. So
1: tell me about your law career. And then also you have children. So you figured out at some way, somewhere along the way, you figured out (laughs) a work-life balance that worked for you?
0: Well, okay. So I'll tell you about, I worked in a dairy. I think I was 14 years old. I had to get working papers. And I remember uh, my dad would drop me off. It was like five in the morning and then mm. I would end up making breakfast for the truckers. And, you know, and then in the back, they would be milking the cows and we they made ice cream. It was the Lady Pamela dairy. And I remember that uh, when there was a calf being born and, and the farmer said, Janine, come on back. You can see a calf being born. And so I'm like, Nah, and I go to the back, and then I, you know, I, I hear the, the cow, and there's a, Bleh. and then I go to the back, and there are two farmers with ropes pulling yeah. the calf out. Know, I grew,
1: I grew up on a cattle ranch, so yes. So you know familiar. all this, yeah. yes. It's you not, know it's, it's a little bit messy.
0: <laughs> it's quite messy. But what stuck in my mind because they didn't have sex education, and you know, nobody talked about this was. If that's how you have a baby, I'm never having a baby. You know, forget about you. Got to pick law or children. I'm so deep in the law, no children. Uh, But but the uh, the truth is that uh, I made a decision after being a prosecutor for ten years uh, to have children, and you made a decision.
1: uh, Yeah, I I love that. I love that.
0: That was yeah. I had that was a
1: proactive decision. Like I am going to have. Yeah.
0: I want. I wanted children. I did. It. You know, I wasn't like my my friends in college. They wanted to get married immediately and have children. I wasn't. I wasn't dreaming about getting married. That wasn't the most important thing to me. You know, they dream about the wedding day. And da, da, that da. that Uh. For me, it was like I'm going to get out of law school and I'm going to try cases and I'm going to win cases because I was fascinated with the courtroom. I was obsessed with anything, whether it was as a kid with Perry Mason or you know, like twelve angry. What was 12 Angry Men and mm-hmm. all of those, you know, movies and presumed innocent. I love the courtroom setting. You put me in a courtroom and it just every part of my being is electrified. And I see
1: that even today on The Five when we have a legal topic that we can turn to you and ask you about. You do? You glow. You light up. Oh. You know it all. And you, so, like, I, I think that's amazing. Right. So you, in all you. the different phases of your career, the law is...
0: Key. Yeah, the law is key. I began as an assistant DA. I started the first domestic violence unit in the country. Tell me about that. Yeah. Why? No one why? Because if you remember in speaking about my mother, who was my closest friend, rest in peace, but my closest friend, my muse, my inspiration, my 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 strength, my moral core and you know, she was the person who kind of I, I hear her all the time and she gave me the strength to believe that I could do things and I could make a difference. And she taught me that when we went to the ice cream store that I had to get up for the older woman to sit down or on Fridays we would take a blind lady uh, to the supermarket because Mrs. LeBert couldn't see. And, and I just remember going into Mrs. LaBert's house and and it was so dark. And I said to my mom, I said, why is it so dark? And she said, she's blind. And, you know, it was just my mom taught me the soft side of criminal justice to take care of the victim. And that was a new concept as a young prosecutor, because it was all put them all in jail, put them all in jail. And my focus was on the victim, healing the victim, trying to make the victim whole again, recognizing the trauma that happened to that victim if 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 the victim were still alive and so i had i had that kind of unusual you know i just don't want the dirtbag to go to jail i want to heal her too and that's her him who the boy the child who, the senior whomever it might be uh and i learned all that from my mother you know so and you
1: you would meet with the victims
0: always mm-hmm. always uh but then when I um, became the DA, I didn't have the time. We had 40,000 cases a year. And but you're it,
1: managing the lawyers and the process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And
0: what I did, you know, it's, it's what I did because I love the courtroom. I was the first woman to prosecute a, a homicide in the history of my county. And they were like, oh, my my boss said to me, uh, Janine. Women can't go for the jugular. You, you can't get into the courtroom. And, you know, I used to try cases on, on, on the uh, down low where I would take the cases of the men assistant DAs be, and, uh, because I was the first woman in the office. And so the men would complain at night that they wanted to go out drinking. It was Thursday night and they had to do a case in say 20 miles away in North Salem or something. And they would all sit there in the library for lunch and I would say, well, I'll, I'll handle your calendar because they had me in the appeals bureau. I was law review and they figured, oh, she'll write great appeals, let her sit there for the rest of her life. <laughs> so um, I remember saying, um, I'll do your court. I'll do your court cases. And this was in the early 80s, and we were not computerized yet. So I would put Bob DeLasho or Bruce Trent, those real names, on the files and go to court and do their case. And nobody knew. The better for it. So then I came back and I said to them, when the guys would come together in the library where I worked all the time, they, I said, you've got a trial next week. And I remember Bob saying, oh, I said, I'll handle it. He said, how can you handle it? You don't know anything. So um, I said, well, maybe it won't go to trial. I lied. It was a little lie. Uh, and I tried the case. And uh, it was a drunk driving case. We picked the jury, did the whole thing and uh, convicted the driver. And for one year, I tried cases on the down low. Nobody knew. Under his name? under Bob's name, under Bruce Trent's name, under who is the other one? I forget all their names because, hey, they got to go out. They got to take their girlfriends out. They got to go out drinking, whatever they wanted to do. And, you know, Janine, who didn't have kids but was married at the time, I was like, this is the only way I'm going to get into a courtroom. They're not going to let me in. So one day I got a call from the chief assistant. His name was Tom Fassell. And this will this will show you how old I am. He's a cross between Peter Lowe. Laurie and Edward G. Robinson, if anybody watches old movies. And I walked in, and he was kind of sitting there with that slick back carry and a cigarette in his hand. He didn't look up, and he said, sit down. And he said to me, the chief assistant, remember, we're real, we're almost like the military chain of command there. And he said, who the hell gives you the right to try a case? And I went, oh, Get a cut out. And um, I said, Well, Mr. Fassell, I, I just wanted to, you know, his, his name was Tom Fassell. I said, Mr. Fassell, I just wanted to help. I, I just wanted to help. He says, You don't know how to try a case. You're in the appeals bureau. And I said, Mr. Fassell, I am in the appeals bureau and I have read your trial transcripts for years and everything I learned, I learned from you. And Mr. Fassell, I never lost a case. And I remember him turning around and picking his head up and saying, you're one sly fox, aren't you? <laughs> and then they gave me the right to try murder cases and all that. But Wait,
1: I had to jump ahead then. Because there was something I was going to ask you about that you didn't ever tell me. But not that you have to tell me your whole life. I what? should have maybe known what? this. You wrote a book called Sly Fox. Mm-hmm. I didn't know you wrote novels.
0: Those are about my alter egos. I got to read these. Yeah, they're about me. So Sly Fox. Sly Fox, clever fox. Um yeah. And and the name is Danny Fox. Danny Fox was a character and we were in talks to do a series and it you know it didn't it didn't go through which was fine with me. Uh but yeah. Yeah, I wrote novels. And that first one was all about me. The first homicide I went to, I was an assistant DA, and and they said to me, you're a girl. You don't have to go on homicide calls. And whenever in the county there's a homicide, they would call the guys, and they would go out to the scene. So I get the call, and I won't bore you with the dispatch saying they want to talk to a man. Uh, I go out to the scene, and they wouldn't let me in because cops said, what are you talking about? Whose badge is that? and uh, it was it was crazy in the beginning, so you had a trailblaze, oh yes, I had a trailblaze, and you became a judge, Yeah, I became a judge. Uh, I was the first woman appointed or elected elected I had to a run judge. for office. Was, Why did you decide to run? Uh, because I wanted to be d a and I knew that unless I had some other you know real experience that that women weren 't looked at as people who could make it in the criminal justice system. And so what I ended up doing was I ran for D I I ran for judge. I was the first woman elected uh, in the history of the county. And, you know, I did a lot of good things as judge. I spent a lot of time with victims. Because of my DA background, I knew that it was important to hear from the victims. So periodically, I would call the victims in and see whether it was a mother and a child or whether it was, you know, a guy who had been seriously hurt. How does this sentence strike you? Is this, does this sound like justice to you? And it was very unusual at the time. And then I ended up running for DA and there was a whole hullabaloo like, oh, my gosh, she now she's got two little kids. How is she going to be the DA? And I said, wait a minute, the guy I'm running against has three kids and his wife is pregnant right now. But that didn't fit. I know. So we had to have a press conference. And my my then husband had to get up and say, I'll be home too. We will take care of the kids. It is just stunning what it I had to amazing. do. It is amazing. Yeah.
1: And so that's one of the things I say in the book is that today we have so much to be grateful for, for people who came before us yeah. and for the men who gave us the opportunity to along the way. But no question. there's, I mean, then for me, that's in particular true. Um, me too. And I tell them like, if you are born in America, and educated as a woman today, then all you have to decide is what do you want to do and how hard do you want to work? And you get to make all the choices. And what right. a, what a, I said, you know there's freedom in making choices. Don't be upset or up, mad. Or frustrated that you have to make choices. You get to make choices.
0: What an opportunity. Yes. To say, to say I want to be this or I want to be that. We are so fortunate. Because, and, and you know, when I was growing up, it was like, no, you can't be a lawyer. Girls aren't lawyers. You're going to carry your baby in the courtroom. You're kidding. You're taking a guy spot in law school. I mean, that's what I heard What do you think years. now that
1: um, the majority of students
0: at law schools are women? They are. They are. And I talked to my daughter, who's an attorney. And, you know, I say, what's it like? And she said, well, you know, it's still kind of tough becoming partners and all that. I said, ah, Kiki, it's so, you know, you've come a long way. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. Um, you also threw your hat in the ring to run for U.S. Senate.
0: Yes, I did that. Uh, I, was, I threw my hat in the ring for about six weeks against Hillary. And I never knew what fake news was until I started reading about myself mm-hmm. and I was reading about something that I had not yet done a, a press conference it was at a dairy in upstate New York somewhere and they said I said this or that and I didn't and I got out of the race and it was the primary race at mm-hmm. that point and KT McFarland was vying for it as well as John Spencer John Spencer won the primary and John Spencer ended up running I ended up running for attorney general that year against Andrew Cuomo um Uh, And he beat me. And my signature issue at that point was that pedophiles, we had a law which allowed us to keep them incarcerated after they served their time. If we could prove that they were a danger to themselves or others, a continuing danger. And there were many of them you know who are just addicted to having sex with children Mm. and you can't you can't say if you take your medicine you'll be fine because i did sting operations the first in the country uh internet pedophile stings uh and they would just meet my guys online in a minute and they would be uh, waiting sentencing on a case that i was handling and they'd go out to meet another child Mm. Uh, and the irony here is that andrew cuomo ends up you know getting out of office because of his sexual misbehaviors.
1: What did you learn about that? What did you learn about yourself when you threw your hat in the ring to run?
0: Well, I had already run four times. I had to run for judge. I had to run three times for district attorney. Uh, Do you get
1: more used to the slings and arrows? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, they don't bother me. So I
1: wanted to ask you about that because one time I asked um, our CEO, it was after her first year of being CEO, I said, um, you know, what did you learn about yourself in this year? And she said something that surprised me, but I loved hearing it. She said, I didn't realize I had such a thick skin. Ooh. And for, a, a lot of people are sensitive to criticism. Yeah. Um, You can now get it online as well as through the mail. You get it all sorts of places, right? But um, what is it that – do you have any advice for people who are trying to maybe – reset their minds mm-hmm. so that they won't be so wounded by
0: criticism. Well, I think what, what people need to do is, you know, sit down with yourself and define who you are to yourself. And once you define who you are, you start to build up a wall because when they say things about you that aren't true, it can't get through the wall. You know, for me, you know, they would say things like, um, uh, you know, maybe in a case, maybe I wasn't tough enough. I mean, I, I was really tough. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I just, it just like brushing off, you know, dust on a collar, you just brush it off. You cannot focus on it. You cannot let other people define who you are. If you do, you'll be wounded constantly. You can't do that. You know, you have to say to hell with them, They're irrelevant. They're not in my life. They don't know me. They don't know what I'm talking about and why I made the decision I did.
1: We'll be right back with more of this interview after this. The Will Cain Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox & Friends weekend host Will Cain as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Your mom also helped you deal with... um, things. Like, for example, I love the story about what she told you when Saturday Night Live decided you were going to be one of their feature people.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, mom, uh, you know, she she thought it was hilarious. You know, they they made me into this this person who is uh, they couldn't they couldn't explain why I had such an abrupt kind of in your face over the top personality, so they had to say it was a drunk. Mm-hmm. And my mom and I would end up laughing about that stuff, but obviously I'm not. In fact, I'll go out to dinner. We'll go out to dinner tonight. I won't have a drink, mm-hmm. you know. Occasionally, I will. But they, my mother just said to me, "Yeah, if you weren't important, obviously they wouldn't care." But we thought it was really. Funny. I remember
1: you said that your mom said, "Janine, it's funny." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she did. And that is a good way to to have a sense of humor about things. I thought it was hysterical. Can help a lot, right? And to laugh at, laugh back.
0: Yeah. Laugh back, laugh with them, mm-hmm. because they're making fun of something that isn't the real you. Right. So my my wall is up. And it, it is, it, it's very interesting the way they decide how they want to portray you when there are so many people that they could portray that way.
1: So you, I'm just going to use your words. You said you're not a spring chicken. <laughs> I'm um, not. I a spring chicken. Um, But you just took on a, a big new opportunity role, transitioned here at Fox into being the co-host of The Five, which is the... In February, we were the number one show in all of television. Believe it or not, oh, yeah, uh, that's that's what happens when football goes away. Yes, but um, <laughs> you know, tell me about that. And ah, oh, okay, let me go because some people will say, like, why don't you retire? You've had so much success. You've written books. You've been on television. You've been in movies. You've tried the cases. You've accomplished everything
0: that you wanted. You were a grandmother of a beautiful young boy. Like, why not take it easy? I don't know how to take it easy. If I had to get up every day and take it easy, I, I I don't know what I would do. Look, I am I am blessed to have this opportunity uh, and to work five days a week. I couldn't be happier. I mean, you have to readjust some things in your life. But, uh, you know, I see myself working, uh, you know, longer. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I have friends who've retired and I don't want to play whatever mahjong cards golf go to lunch you know that's not that's not me and you know what I mean I've written seven books and you know I I could write another book I probably will but to me that's not life I want to be in the fight and that's one of the reasons I left the bench you know as a judge uh, I'm an activist I'm a fighter I want to settle scores And as a judge, I was basically just someone who was, you know, saying, no, sustained, uh, you know, denied, objection. And I I couldn't wait to get back as DA, Mm -hmm. you know, because the DA was about taking care of victims. It was about settling scores. It was about making things as right as you could. And that's who I am. It's
1: interesting because any uh, prosecutor or former prosecutor that I talk to, I'll put Trey Gowdy as an example. Yeah, It's the job they miss the most.
0: Oh, without a doubt. Being DA was the best job in the world. Mm-hmm. And I ran for office three times. I would have been elected for the fourth term, but I just term limited myself. I said, Janine, you've done we'll it do all. do something else. Yeah, it's time to do something else. I have two other
1: questions. One one of the things I write about in the book is that every person, and it's geared to women, but this goes to all people, but let's just talk about women for a second, that you have to be responsible to, of taking care of your health. Yeah. Like that's, the, that's a job. That is a job that you have, and I know that you have are a survivor, a cancer survivor, mm-hmm. and you th- you think about your well being and your health, nutrition, exercise, and sleep. We were talking about sleep <laughs> on our way here. I might get more than you, but um, maybe a little bit about that in terms of all the things that you're doing, how busy you are, climbing the ladder out there, young ladies but you have to remember to take care of your health.
0: Yeah, you know, and and one of the problems when you're talking to young ladies is they think because they're young that they are that uh, they are immune to any kind of health problem. And you know, my best friend's niece is like, you know, 29 30 and she's got breast cancer i mean i i am a survivor uh and i you know we all hate to go to the doctors probably because we fear that they might tell us something that's not good but when my doctor told me something that wasn't good you know it was it was a years long effort um and i was on television uh doing my show justice with judge janine with uh, wearing a wig i had no eyebrows i had no eyelashes. Um, it was a very tough time, but you know, I'm back and I'm fine. And I make sure that I, you know, get all the appointments in that I need to. And, um, I, if you, if you deny yourself the health, but at the same time, try to make sure you look pretty like with the hair color and the nails and this and that, it's so superficial. You've got mm-hmm. to take care of your inner health. Care.
1: The last thing I want to ask is, um, I, I think it's amazing how you, you're a great cook. I see you out with your friends. Uh, you went to that beautiful party the other day uh, oh, yeah. down in Florida. But <laughs> yeah. what do, what do you like to do for fun?
0: For fun? Um, I like to cook. I like my kids to come home. My my son's birthday was this weekend, and all his friends came by. And uh, I cooked for like, I don't know, it was 22, 24 kids. And they were having a great time at my house, and my daughter came with the baby. And it was just I guess that's the fun for me now. Yeah. But I like to work out. I, li- I go to Soul Cycle and um, I like working. My life is good. This is my best life right now. And I love working with you. How's that? Let's leave it there.
1: All right. <laughs> Thanks, Judge. Thanks. <laughs> I have really loved getting to know Judge Janine. She is a joy, she is funny. And she is so smart, and I've never seen anybody prepare so much for The Five. She puts me to shame. Make sure you subscribe to this series wherever you download podcasts and leave a rating and review. I'm Dana Perino. Everything will be okay.